0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at that's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: So I think this unity plan is about avoiding gridlock, is about avoiding a divided government where nothing is getting done, and making sure that the diversity of our city is reflected at the table that's making decisions, and that that table of decision makers can then work quickly and expeditiously to improve every neighborhood.
0: Hi everybody, I'm Fran Spielman. My guest this week is Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa of the 35th Ward, which includes Logan Square, Avondale, Irving Park, Albany Park, and Hermosa. He is Mayor Brandon Johnson's choice to chair the powerful city council zoning committee and to be the new mayor's city council floor leader. Carlos, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me, Fran.
0: Wow! How did all that happen? How did you go from chairman of a five-member Democratic Socialist Caucus with no leadership position in the new, in the old City Council under Mayor Lori Lightfoot, to the big Kahuna under Brandon Johnson at the age of thirty-four?
1: Well, I've been telling uh, folks for the past couple of weeks that the reward for a job well done is more work. Um, as one of my, uh, <laughs> as one of my uh, colleagues, Alderwoman Nicole Lee said, uh, we punish the competent. Um, but I'm I'm just really humbled and I'm really honored uh, that Mayor Brandon Johnson asked me to serve as the zoning committee chair and as his floor leader for the past eight years on the City Council. I've been working uh, to whip votes for our progressive agenda. Uh, I'm really proud of my record passing major progressive legislation. Whether that's the updates to the Welcoming City Ordinance, strengthening our city sanctuary, city policy, the Empowering Communities for Public Safety Ordinance, which led to the election of 66 police district counselors uh, this year. Um, I've been able to do those things by bringing my colleagues together, uh, oftentimes um, with the mayor on the opposite side of the issue. And so I think that, you know, with the mayor now on the same side of these important progressive issues. Uh, It's going to be a really positive um, time in the city council.
0: Yeah, you did have to fight for a lot of those things. And Lori Lightfoot was dragged kicking and screaming into honoring some of the promises that she made as as a candidate for mayor. On March 30th, the old council declared its independence and reorganized itself. It took pains to create 28 committees up from 19 to make sure there were enough votes to pass. You were part of that group. You became a committee chairman under that alignment. You spoke in favor of it. You helped to devise the 28 committees that ensured passage. Why do you think Mayor Johnson felt it necessary to put his stamp on this, put you in zoning, Replace Scott Waggis back with Pat Dowell as finance committee chair, Jason Irvin as budget chair, replacing Dowell. Why did he need to pick this fight right off the bat? Is it about showing who's boss?
1: You know, I, I don't view it as a fight. I view it as collaboration. The Chicago City Council is unique in that the mayor, per state law, is our presiding officer. So other major cities have a speaker of the council, Uh, have a president of the council that's elected separately from the mayor. In Chicago, our laws make it so that the mayor is a part of our city council. If there's a 25 to 25 split, the mayor casts the deciding vote. So the mayor is an integral part of the Chicago City Council. And the proposal that was voted on March 30th was done so with the knowledge and expectation that after April 4th, there was going to be a mayor and that mayor was going to have input. The March 30th proposal um, was an incomplete proposal. We did not complete the list of committee membership uh, roles. We did not set budgets for the new committees that were proposed. If you look at the March 30th proposal, and if you look at the unity plan uh, that Mayor uh, Johnson released with the support of a vast majority of the city council, what you see is 80% of what the council proposed on March 30th and that 20 percent the changes between march 30th and the unity plan that was released is the mayor's input um the mayor needs to have input um on the city council the body that he presides over and ultimately uh that input had to be accepted by a majority of the council so it was a collaborative process it was achieved through dialogue and conversation with council leaders and i think where we landed was a really good spot it unites the city Ideologically, uh, racially, geographically, you see the diversity of our great city reflected in the updated leadership plan put forward by Mayor Council, uh, by by Mayor uh, Brandon Johnson and Council leaders.
0: Is it about making certain that his legislative agenda moves swiftly and is not sabotaged?
1: We have gone through four years of gridlock in the Chicago City Council, and it has not benefited anyone. We enter this term with major crises the migrant crisis, violence, um, you know, the ongoing need to create jobs. We have to get things done for the people of the city of Chicago. And people want to see Mayor Brandon Johnson succeed. You know, my colleague, um, Alderman Brian Hopkins, he was one of the most vocal, strongest supporters for Paul Vallis. In this leadership structure, this updated one, he will be the chair of the Public Safety Committee. He's committed to work with Mayor Brandon Johnson to move our city forward because that's what our city needs right now. So I think this unity plan is about avoiding gridlock, is about avoiding a divided government where nothing is getting done and making sure that the diversity of our city is reflected at the table that's making decisions and that that table of decision makers can then work quickly and expeditiously to improve every neighborhood.
0: Why the need to punish Scott back and sideline him as finance chair? He was on this show a couple of weeks or months ago warning Mayor Johnson not to mess with the March 30th plan. Was back shoved aside because he dared to say that or because why?
1: You know, I, I don't I don't view it as, as punishment. Um, you know, to be a committee chair just means more work uh (laughs) in fact one might argue that maybe chairmanship (laughs) so so i i think that um you know i I can't speak for my my colleague alderman uh scott wagus what i will say is that i'm so excited for uh alderwoman pat dowell to take the reins of that committee i've gotten to know her now for the past eight years she was human relations committee chair when i first came on board the city council then she was our budget chair the past four years She has always been so thoughtful and fair and thorough in her approach as a committee chair. And I know she's gonna do an amazing job with the finance committee.
0: But when you read and heard about Wagesbeck saying what he did, don't mess with this mayor, he warned him, did you say to yourself, goodbye?
1: (laughs) You know, I I think that um, as as I said in, in the press at the time, there are those that wanted to work collaboratively And there were those that wanted to ice out the mayor out of out of the discussions in terms of how the city council would be organized. And ultimately, the vast majority of the council decided that the best way to move forward as a city is to work collaboratively with the mayor. And I think that that is so desperately needed right now. That's what Chicagoans want to see from this council and this mayor is collaboration.
0: And what you heard from him told you what that he didn't want to.
1: Yeah, I I think there was always the expectation from the majority of the city council that after uh, April 4th, whoever was elected mayor would have input on uh, the council organization plan. The plan that was voted on March 30th was always going to have to be voted on again uh, once the new council was seated. And um, the vast majority of the council made a decision that the way which we wanted to move forward was working collaboratively with the mayor. And, and not, you know, uh, going towards gridlock, not going towards council wars where you have a council that's fighting the mayor. This city needs, desperately needs uh, unity uh, of purpose and desperately needs us to be working uh, to get things done as quickly as possible, given all the crises that we're facing.
0: Former Inspector General Joe Ferguson has warned that the decision to sideline so many senior older persons at a time when the council is losing its institutional memory to begin with, almost invites the shunted alderman to form what he called a common sense caucus that could hold the balance of power on major issues that are contentious, like, for example, taxation, the budget, etc. Are you concerned about that?
1: You know, I I think former Inspector uh, General Joe Ferguson it's been shared by some members of the chicago press corps that he was a paul ballast supporter Um, i would take his criticisms with a grain of salt uh having worked in the city council for the past eight years uh having been involved in both uh the march 30th proposal and the unity plan that's being voted on on may 24th i know that this plan reflects the diversity of the chicago city council and you have senior members, you have people like Pat Dowell, who has chaired a committee for the past eight years, who chaired the Budget Committee, now taking on the Finance Committee role. You have Jason Irvin, the chair of the Black Caucus, uh, who was a committee chair uh, this past term, uh, chairing uh, the Budget Committee now. So you do have that extensive leadership. For example, Alderwoman Emma Mitts, uh, who has chaired the License Committee for many years, she will now be chairing the Contract Committee. So you do have the experience of the city council and uh the more senior members of the city council in key leadership roles and so i I would disagree with uh you know his characterization and i would also say at the end of the day this plan only passes with the support of the majority of the city council uh, and this right, and how has, many
0: votes have you got? This will be the first test for you whipping up votes as the. It, it
1: is. Vote. It is well beyond uh, the the twenty five needed, um, because of course the you mayor. you well over the,
0: thirty, aren't you?
1: I, I I can't say more. I can't, you know, uh, give out our secrets quite yet. But but I think that you will see um, the vast majority of the city council uh, vote in favor of this plan on May twenty fourth.
0: You have a head count. What is it?
1: <laughs> you that that, is, is, that is for you... me, that is for me, the, the mayor and our and our council allies sweating
0: bullets is what you're
1: saying. Oh, yeah. No, the, the votes are there. And, and the unity plan would not have been announced um, if the leaders listed on that roster had not already had not already committed to support this. Uh, and of course, if if the other votes weren't there uh, to get us well beyond uh, the twenty five, twenty six votes needed.
0: Joe Ferguson also worried aloud about the chilling message that might be sent to the business community, to the development community by Mayor Johnson, having put you, chair of the Socialist Caucus, in charge of zoning. What have you done since you were chosen to reassure developers that you will be reasonable and not extreme? Have you met with them? What's been the reaction?
1: Yeah, again, I would take uh, Joe's criticism with a grain of salt. He's angry that we were on different sides of uh, the uh, mayoral race. But I will say that uh, in regards to working with developers, I'm proud of my track record sitting down with developers, sitting down with community stakeholders and crafting win-win compromises um, where we have been able to attract record investment to the communities that I represent, Logan Square, Avondale. Uh, we've been able to welcome new residents while protecting longtime residents. So I'm really proud of my track record. Um, and now I'm excited to take that collaborative approach uh, to the city of Chicago. Um, one of the first things that we did after announcing the Unity Plan is sit down with some of the biggest developers in this city. There is no question that the city of Chicago needs more housing. Um, And that means market rate housing. That means affordable housing. And we're not going to accomplish that unless we have cranes up downtown in the South Loop and across this city. Um, That is good for the city. It creates good jobs. And I'm committed to facilitating uh, that continued investment uh, in our neighborhoods.
0: Right, the mayor's new chief of staff, Rich Guidas, was on this show last week, and he said that a few good conversations between you and Mayor Johnson convinced the mayor that you would be reasonable and gave the mayor the confidence to support you that you would not stymie development. Guidas said, referring to you, "quote He'll give his opinions on things, but at the end of the day, he's going to do what's best for the city, and part of what ma- making Chicago thrive is building." putting cranes in the sky, putting people to work. The Alderman is aware of that. The mayor-elect is, he said, she was then mayor-elect, is confident that he's going to get the job done for us. So that's the message. What was the mayor's message to you?
1: Well, uh, (laughs) the mayor called me um, and said, um, you know, I'd like for you to be my floor leader. And then he said, you're not going to like this next part. (laughs) <laughs> and I said, "Don't do it, don't do it um and he <laughs> and and he asked me to be his uh his zoning chair. you know I, I think um i I think that i I've made it no secret that housing and housing policy is my passion and um in the March thirtieth proposal, I was slated to chair the housing committee. That is what I wanted. um I spoke with many reporters and made it very clear that my top choice was the housing committee. Um, but the mayor felt um that um, you know, someone um, who shares his progressive values, someone who has a track record of working with developers uh, to get major projects done, um, someone uh, with uh, that resume uh, should serve as zoning committee chair uh, in, as part of this new leadership structure. And, uh, and in that conversation, we did talk about the importance of um, you know, the central business district, uh and keeping those cranes up in the sky um that is my voting record if you look at my voting record um you know over the past eight years i have consistently supported uh many of these big projects uh throughout the city of chicago because they create good jobs and they're so vital to our economy um and so absolutely uh you know i'm committed to working with our mayor to working with our friends uh, in labor and to working with developers to make sure that we keep those cranes uh, up in the sky and that we continue to have uh, investment uh, throughout the city of Chicago.
0: And will you push to raise that demolition fee that you pushed for to protect the areas around the 606? Will you do anything about that as you promised?
1: Well, if you look at, uh, you know, the mayor's housing justice platform that he ran on, central to that is protecting two to four flats um and that push to uh protect two to four flats predates this mayoral administration it goes back a decade plus with organizations like logan square neighborhood association identifying The loss of two to four flats as one of the primary reasons that schools become under enrolled as you lose uh, those family size units and you lose families in the neighborhood. It's one of the reasons why commercial corridors, commercial corridors, even in very wealthy areas, oftentimes uh, have a high vacancy rate because there's just not enough families uh, to sustain uh, those commercial corridors. To have a thriving community, you need to have multifamily housing. A lot of cities across the nation are trying to catch up they're trying to say look we zoned a lot of these neighborhoods for single family and we realized that was a mistake and now we need to build two flats and three flats and four flats the great thing about the city of chicago is that so much of our development occurred prior to 1950 when we were building that multifamily housing that is the greatest source of naturally occurring affordable housing in our communities um, and, um, I'm committed to continue to work with my stakeholders and in, in the community and to continue to work with this administration to move forward those protections for two to four flats. Now, one of the ways that we have, uh, found to be effective in protecting two to four flats is, uh, a demolition impact fee. You know, the city of Chicago on the west side and the south side has such a need for infill development. You can look at communities like Garfield park, where you have a park, you have a train, you have beautiful historic housing stock, you have everything that is necessary to have a thriving community, yet there are so many empty lots that are sitting undeveloped. So there's really no reason why you should then have to go to a community like Logan Square and knock down a beautiful two to four flat. Um, it's, It's not good for the city as a whole. It's not good for the environment and it's not good for our housing stock. And so really that fee is about protecting that two to four flat. We don't want it to be demolished. Now, if the developer does decide to demolish it, then they pay a fee, which in turn goes towards a community land trust, which helps offset the loss of that naturally occurring affordable housing by providing the city with funds to build more affordable housing in the immediate area.
0: So how high will it go? Should it well, go? that
1: is that has to be determined uh, through data and through a study. We started with five thousand per unit uh, because that is what had uh, been done in Evanston and has been in the law for uh, quite some time. So it's 5,000 per unit or 15,000 per building, uh, whichever uh, amount is higher. Um, we are conducting a study with the support of the Chicago Department of Housing. And once we get that uh, study finished, we'll be able to have a clearer sense of how effective the policy has been. Although the initial look at the policy shows it's been, uh, it's been quite effective, um, but we'll be able to see how effective the policy has been uh, and how, uh, you know, what more needs to be done uh, to make sure that we're protecting those two to four flat buildings.
0: On Wednesday, the mayor will preside over his first city council meeting. The council will be asked to ratify the $51 million transfer of surplus funds to the migrant crisis. But sadly, this is only enough money to cover those burgeoning costs through June 30th. Immigrant families seeking refuge in Chicago, fleeing oppressive conditions and governments in their homelands are continuing to come into Chicago. We have well over 8,000 already, no end in sight. Lori Lightfoot declared this a state of emergency before leaving office. It empowers her to call out the National Guard and the new mayor to do that. It also empowers this chief procurement officer to sign all kinds of emergency contracts, et cetera. Tough decisions need to be made to stop immigrant families, many of them with young children, from having to sleep on the floors of police stations and so crowding those stations that everyday citizens can't even make their way to the front desk to file a report. What is the mayor's long-term answer to this crisis? We saw him go to a field house and a police station symbolically to see for himself this week on his first full work day. What is his plan?
1: Well, the transition team uh, leading up to May 15th was meeting on a daily basis to convene federal, state, and local stakeholders to discuss uh, what needed to be done um, once this administration came into office. Um, the first deputy uh, chief of staff, uh, Dr. Christina Petrioni-Zayas, she has been leading up those efforts. Um, and. Um, there is a plan in place to expeditiously begin opening up larger uh, what the city has been calling respite centers or welcoming centers places where uh, you know migrants that are arriving to the city instead of sleeping on a police district floor which is totally unacceptable uh, they would have a safe comfortable place um, to uh, you know sleep uh, to get a good meal uh, and to begin the process of figuring out you know what their next steps are for some Where? of the families arriving in Chicago. Well, that's a that's a huge question, um, and those conversations are ongoing. Uh, there have been a number of locations identified. Um, Where and, can you name um, a few?
0: Because we I, you know we're already seeing South Shore suing to try to stop them from using the shuttered high school there. There is tremendous tension here with neglected African American neighborhoods, mostly feeling. Like, wait a minute! You're gonna you're gonna take our facilities, you're gonna take our tax dollars, and use this when you have neglected our people. No. So what do and, you and do? It, where where it, are you gonna put this, and how do you stop that tension?
1: Look, re- Republicans and and folks like Abbott have been working for years uh, to create discord amongst the Democratic base, to create ill will between black and brown communities. I think that our new mayor has made it clear that he wants to unite this city. And he's spoken very powerfully about his experience as a black Chicagoan growing up in the city and seeking public services from Cook County Hospital. And Delia Ramirez, uh, our congresswoman, uh, who arrived here uh, and received medical services, despite the fact that her uh, family were not US citizens. So I, I think that, you know, this is a welcoming city. Um, It's it's tragic to see some of the rhetoric, but the same time, we've also seen communities stand up and say we're going to welcome our neighbors Um, in the same communities where you have seen some people protest. You've also seen people cook meals. You've also seen people collect pampers and and basic necessities that these families need. So I am really heartened by the great love uh, that our city has shown to these migrants. Um, Yes, there are some vocal people who have said some um, things at community meetings. But I think ultimately, uh, you know, by and large, our city has welcomed these migrants. I can't share at this moment, going back to your, your question, uh, the specific locations, but I do know that, um, you know, we're, we're very close to, to moving on a number of those locations, um, some big um, and, and some small, uh, primarily uh, in uh, Spanish-speaking communities. And the reason why you want to do that is because you want the migrant that arrives here to be able to that doesn't speak English, to be able to walk out of the shelter and to be able to go to church, to be able to go to the local business, that leads to a much smoother transition into the city uh, and allows them to more quickly be integrated into the fabric of our neighborhoods.
0: And the money, where is that going to come from when the money runs out in the end of June?
1: Well, the federal government has already identified some money. Unfortunately, they're giving New York a lot more than they're giving us. Exactly. Yes. You know, our partners at the federal level tell us that more is coming, that this is just the start. Uh, And we're in very serious talks with the state um, to identify uh, a large sum of money to be able to open up uh, some of these shelters sooner rather than later. But there's no question, no city can do this alone. And we really do need a national response uh, to make sure uh, that, you know, we continue to be a nation of immigrants.
0: On on her final day in office, Lori Lightfoot signed a blitzkrieg of executive orders that appeared designed not only to cement her legacy as she sees it, but also to box in Mayor Johnson. There were two that particularly seemed controversial to me, the first creating a permanent pension advance fund and dedicating every dollar of the some $650 million in surplus funds that she claimed she left from this year and last pensions to pay down some of that debt, just as Lightfoot did to the tune of 242 million in a final budget. Will Mayor Johnson sign an executive order undoing that? Surely he has other priorities for those surplus funds after promising a billion dollars in social programs that form the cornerstone of his anti-violence strategy.
1: Look, I think it was wholly inappropriate for Mayor Lightfoot to sign 10 executive orders in her last day in office. You know, I, I think that once you're a lame duck executive or a lame duck legislator, you have to be very careful about what you pass, particularly when the voters have already rejected you. Um, and there's <laughs> no question that, that Mayor Lightfoot was resoundly rejected by the voters of this city uh, who opted to take another path. And so I, I think it was wholly inappropriate of her to issue those executive orders. Some of them are good. Um, and And some of them are are, are just simply uh, ridiculous. Um, you and know, the, one the pension,
0: the pension one. Is there any way that she should be telling Mayor Johnson every penny of this surplus money, six hundred and fifty million, if we were to believe her, should be devoted only to pensions?
1: You know, I, I think that um, you know ultimately it's going to be up to the mayor to decide. Uh, what he wants to do with those executive orders that she issued. I think Ram Emanuel issued his last executive order over hundred days before he left office. So to issue ten executive orders on your last day in office, it's 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 wholly inappropriate. I mean, I think the mayor would be justified if he said, "Look, I'm just gonna, you know, nix all ten of these because it was inappropriate what she did um and then decide, you know, how he wants to move forward with some of those issues. You know, the one that that I uh, have paid the most attention to is, the one she issued around zoning changes zoning. Um, right. and, What's bo- and what bothers it's, you about that one? It's, it's just so ridiculous. You know, she asks the zoning administrator or rather she directs the zoning administrator to investigate aldermanic led rezoning. And it's preposterous because when an alderman wants to rezone a parcel, they go to the zoning administrator to ask them for their advice and to ask them for their assistance in prepping the ordinance that leads to that rezoning so by virtue of the fact that the zoning administrator has to um you know uh write this uh ordinance uh they've already been involved in reviewing this aldermanic uh you know uh rezoning so to then ask that same individual who helped prep the ordinance now you have to investigate this well in essence an investigation has already occurred but second of all you're asking the person involved in it to then investigate themselves and third of all, the zoning administrator just does not have the resources or the time to be able to do that. Our zoning administrator is speaking every single day to aldermen and to developers um, and to some of the biggest investors in the city trying to figure out how you move some of these projects forward. Um, and and they just simply do not have the time or the personnel to be able to conduct an investigation of every single uh down zone or rezone that they themselves were already part of. So I, so I think it was just preposterous. Were these were
0: two the, were the really problematic ones. Some of them were innocuous. The, these two, the one about the pension uh, advance and the surplus monies and the zoning one. Do you expect yeah, him to undo I, I, these?
1: You know, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be up to, to the mayor to decide how he wants to approach those things. But you know, I, I think that it was really inappropriate what, what Mayor Lightfoot did. Uh and 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 I do hope that you know there there is an appropriate response. Um and the
0: surplus money of the pension money, aren't there other priorities for at least some of that money? I mean, how could he how could he devote every penny to pension advance when he has so many other things that he promised?
1: It's just <laughs> I I think that Mayor Lightfoot in her final days really worked to harm this incoming administration. And uh, I just I, I think that it's 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 sad. It's unfortunate. Um, but, you know, we now have to come together as a city and, and uh, clean up the mess that she left us.
0: So are there other ways she worked to uh, harm the administration that we don't know about?
1: Well, I I think that um, I've heard from people working on the migrant crisis uh, that a lot of basic information was not shared with the transition team. That it was very difficult um, to get, uh, you know, uh, basic data or basic information from the city that would help the transition team better prepare. Um, And not just on the migrant crisis, but a whole host of issues uh, that the transition team was looking at. Um, It's also my understanding that, um, you know, when Mayor Rahm Emanuel left, he uh, left the incoming administration with a transition book. Um, it's my understanding that 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 does not happen uh, in this case. Um, so, um, you know, the the transition is difficult as it is. You only have yeah. uh, uh, two months. Yeah, you have just two months to be able to to prepare to lead the third Six largest weeks, city. Really? Yeah. Six weeks yeah.
0: Ahead.
1: yeah. 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 So, so so so
0: you you're saying she was a bit of a sore loser here. <laughs>
1: You know those are your words but <laughs> well, I don't know how would you put it
0: I'm not trying to I just yeah, I
1: I think I think she was not happy um about not uh receiving a second term and and I think that she was not helpful um to the extent that that she should have been if she really wanted to see the city succeed after her departure
0: And before we let you go and I know you have a plan commission meeting Uh, what, What, you know, I expect that the city council meeting next week will be about the reorganization and about the fund transfer for the migrants, and that'll probably be it. What do you see as the first few really substantive things that the mayor is going to ask the city council to do? Will it be bring Chicago home and putting a referendum on the ballot, a binding referendum to raise the real estate transfer tax so that you can have dedicated money for the homeless. What will it be? Will it be the mental health clinics? Will it be youth jobs? What will it be?
1: Well, the mayor has said consistently that his top priorities are youth employment, providing our young people with opportunities to help keep them safe. Moving forward with Bring Chicago Home so we're generating the revenue necessary to bring people off the streets and into homes. And of course, treatment not trauma. Reopening the shuttered mental health clinics. Now, um, that first one, youth employment. Summer's here, right? It's 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 just a a few weeks away. So Memorial Day weekend,
0: next weekend.
1: I think that is most definitely at the at the top of the list. Um, He's already signed an executive order uh, to help move uh, that issue forward. Um, I think obviously the migrant crisis is front and center right now, um, and the mayor has already signed an executive order to elevate uh, someone to the position of deputy mayor, overseeing immigrant, migrant, and refugee rights. Uh, And that's part of his commitment to revamp and retool the failing Office of New Americans into a new office that is really focused and has the capacity to protect and integrate migrants into our great city. Um, And of course, I think an issue that that not uh, many people have talked about, but that is also extremely important, is expanded uh, outdoor uh, patio dining uh that is something that many businesses uh benefited from during the pandemic uh it uh uh was not able to move forward uh, in a permanent fashion as a result of um you know mayor lightfoot's um inability to compromise around some things um but there's already conversations uh that are occurring around how can we move this forward uh and how can we ensure that our small businesses uh, are able to benefit from expanded outdoor dining uh, during the summer months, uh, which are some of the more, pro- more profitable months and are really critical to keeping these small businesses uh, going throughout the year.
0: And on Bring Chicago Home, the legislature has no appetite to raise the real estate transfer tax. That's one way to do it. The other way is a binding referendum. Will you move forward on the referendum so that Chicagoans can vote on this?
1: Yeah, so in order for the city to raise the real estate transfer tax, uh, voters need to give us the authority, or the state needs to give us the authority. As you just noted, we've heard from Springfield that they don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, And so it's really going to be incumbent upon uh, this administration, allies in the council, and um, of course, the coalition behind Bring Chicago Home to figure out how we want to move forward. So those conversations have started. Um, You know, the the question before us is, is it going to be on the March ballot? If that's the direction we're going to go, is it going to be in the November ballot uh, in 2024? So those are conversations that need to be had. Um, And of course, we've heard from some people in the real estate industry that they're interested in uh, compromising and figuring out a way forward. And so um, we're going to have that collaborative conversation and we're going to determine the best path forward. But there is no question that we absolutely need to raise revenue uh, to be able to take people off the streets and, and put them into housing. Um, and and that's become even more evident now um, with this migrant crisis. So, Do you have any doubt uh,
0: it'll pass if it goes to a binding referendum?
1: Well, the coalition that has been backing this, they've done some polling and they feel very confident uh, that it will pass uh, should it be uh, taken to the voters. I think the fact that up through now, some people in the real estate industry have fought this vehemently at the council level, leads me to believe that they know this as well. Similar measures have been put on the ballot in other cities and consistently they pass. Um, so so I don't think uh, the question is, uh, you know, will voters support it? Uh, I think there's been some question about where the majority of the city council stands. Uh, and I think that we're committed to having those collaborative conversations Uh, to figure out how we can move this forward and and get that revenue to get people off the street.
0: Carlos Ramirez Rosa, thank you so much. Best of luck on your first test of uh, city council muscle. And we'll count the noses. And as I know you are doing, even though you're not giving us a number, and we will see you all next week.
1: Look around.